0: Welcome to the Dangerous Women Collective podcast, my name is Samantha Lucy, and I am the co-founder of the Dangerous Women Collective, a cohort of fabulous, talented, dangerous women created with the ambition of bringing women together to help and empower one another however they can. Welcome back everyone to the Dangerous Women podcast. I am so delighted to have the amazing Kaz with us from Keyloop today. She's going to introduce herself to you and tell you a little bit about what she does
1: and how she came to be a dangerous woman. I love that term, dangerous woman. Um, yeah, hi, hi. I am Head of Internal Communications and Employee Engagement at Keyloop. Amazing. Um, but in addition to that, I'm a wife and a mother of four children. Wow, four. I didn't know it was four. as many four.
0: Yeah, Goodness me. Yeah. I'm, I'm always very, very impressed when anyone goes over 2
1: <laughs> I'm one of the mad ones. <laughs> um, but I always advocate even numbers. Oh, fair no, enough. Four is yep. easier than the three because you can pair them off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I started my career at IBM, um, had 10 or 11 years there and then had a career break for... Ten years. Oh wow! Um, with my children, I ran kind of side businesses. Yeah. So I had my own children's art club for a little while. Nice. Um, because I was just getting really bored with just being at home with the children. Yeah. Um, and two are just over a year apart as well. So. Um, oh my goodness, you had your hands full. I certainly did. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I'm a a writer as well I do that on the side um when I can find the time yeah I
0: bet you're not busy with four children and a (laughs) full-time
1: job (laughs) so yeah and just generally love meeting up with people and you know I'm a real people person yeah Um, you'd have to be in internal comms don't you you have to really like like
0: communicating with people yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah
1: you definitely have to like people um but just kind of fell into internal comms really yeah um but I love the fact that I get paid to talk for yeah anything.
0: <laughs> yeah and it's so interesting do you find that um obviously there's always kind of I think comms really loves to bracket people doesn't it and I always think that's so reductive in many ways because it likes to go oh this is how we communicate with men or this is how we communicate with women or do you find that um the level of engagement that you get internally is very different based on gender um
1: Less so now, I think, than in previous years. Um, I did have a communications role when I worked at IBM. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I was quite a bit younger then, and and the world was a slightly different place. Okay. So we have to remember that. Um, In what respect? What do you mean a slightly different place? So I do think that gender roles have changed. Yeah. I think female representation has really changed, but also acceptance of women as who they are in the workplace has really changed as well you know very early in my career I would have been worried about expressing opinions or being seen as too emotional and Mm -hmm. I think things are really changing on that certainly I've seen that from my perspective yeah and actually almost on the flip side I've seen more negative behavior from sometimes women if you see somebody being emotional than men interesting
0: let's talk about that for a second actually because i that's something that's kind of come up a few times and i wrote a piece the other day actually which was a little bit controversial about how i felt like women needed to be um boldly and bravely happy to to be supportive of other women and that was kind of a, a really foundational point and actually lots of stories that i hear particularly in this room are of women struggling with other women as opposed to so much struggling with men and this is in no way the Dangerous women Collective is a, an anti-man thing in any way it's very much a pro-woman thing mm. but do you do you see that do you see that you know women kind of can be really tricky with each other more so than men can
1: not in my current place of work definitely no. not but I have seen it yeah. absolutely Um I think as well I wonder if it's women feeling like another woman becoming emotional crying particularly in the workplace might be seen as undermining Mm. the work that other women have done yeah um i've actually had really positive experience by sharing my experiences so um for the past year my husband's been having chemotherapy um, cancer treatment Mm. um he's had an operation and thankfully he's recovered yeah um, and I've actually been quite open about my journey at work. Yeah. I'm in the spotlight. And what you're going through. Yeah, all yes. the time. You yeah. know, I, I present on um, town hall meetings virtually yeah. across the whole company, regularly have in-person in, in person meetings regularly where yeah. I'm, you know, on a stage, literally on a stage. Yeah. And I might not always be feeling bubbly and brilliant the entirety of the time. Well, I'm, that's unacceptable. I know, right? <laughs> as women,
0: as, but also as women, though, if we're not feeling, you know, kind of always gregarious, then we are, we are held to our higher standard, I think, on that front.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you, actually. Um, but because I shared my story, yeah. people have actually been very understanding and been very good with me. And I think I can only count on one occasion where I did cry, and it was with a man, uh, Virtually. Yeah. Um, And he was just fantastic about it. And so, actually, my experience at this company has been very, very positive. But in the past, it's not always been. that way
0: and what is the skew male to female at at Keyloop not accurately but you know is it obviously it's automotive for those who don't Mm -hmm. know Um, so the natural assumption would be that it skews more male than female but obviously comms tends to skew quite female how does that Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) tell us what you see Uh, so I can tell you at a a leadership level we um, in our executive leadership we're 50-50 oh that's amazing in our senior leadership we're 34 percent female that's still really high and across the company we're 32 percent okay so, so that's, I can tell you because I did you the can, stats this you week. know the stats
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would I would expect that you would um and that that has that been a journey for the business do you think oh definitely yeah.
1: certainly in automotive yeah um I actually started my career in automotive when I was seven. Oh
0: wow <laughs> my
1: dad was a car dealer okay um he was uh the love child of like Arthur Daly and Del Boy if uh, you will yeah uh, you know sold cars yeah on the driveway or you know a car sales dealership uh, very kind of local everybody in the local area really knew him right he used to have me cleaning cars he would take me to the garages and I'd sit in the car while it went up on the ramp fair and enough all so you were destined
0: for this <laughs> oh I must have been <laughs> uh,
1: but it was very very male very male led you know sure. I I was exposed to the male jokes and the sexism and all that yes. kind of stuff um and certainly from that, you know, that's really, really changed. And yeah. we do a lot of work with the Automotive 30% Club in the UK yes. um, to promote uh, the fact that we have women working in the automotive industry yeah. so that we have a, a nice balance because you do get a better balance if you've got better representation without question a full diversity across your company right Yeah, absolutely so yeah I I have seen difference but it has definitely been a journey
0: yeah no that makes total sense it's so interesting isn't it because diversity is like you know such an interesting topic and how it impacts a company and how a company can be you know really transported to a better place by having better diversity and yet it is such a slow process isn't it and something that you can't you can force, but you can't overforce in many ways. It sort of has to happen slightly organically in order yep. for it to work.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you have to be it's not just race and gender. You no, know, it's neurodiversity. Yes, it's cultural, It's age. It's everything, and the world is made up of all these different pillars of society. So why are we not representing that in our workplaces?
0: Yes. Oh no, completely. It's interesting that you mentioned neurodiversity. It's one of my my pet topics because I'm neurodiverse, and I was diagnosed very late in my life. Which is eighty percent of women go undiagnosed. So the twenty percent that do it's very common for us to be diagnosed so so late. And is that something that you're now seeing more of as in your role? Are you seeing more? Kind of acceptance of things like neurodiversity and more understanding of the way that we as neurodivergents need to work and be?
1: I think it's, um, I see it more because I have something called visual stress I've not been diagnosed with anything else, but it does partner in like 98% of cases. Right. So I do think perhaps there's something else happening with my brain. Fair Uh, enough. I can be seen as being very scatterbrained, Um, but it's just the way I Welcome to Wired Differently, that's
0: how I explain (laughs) it.
1: (laughs) and it's just me. And somebody actually asked me this morning on on the train, um, have you got yourself a diagnosis? And if not, why not? And if you have, why did you go down that route? I said, well... Really, it's just about understanding myself and the way that I work. And because I think that way, I very actively push acceptance through work. So one of our values is we are authentic and it's about bringing yourself as you are to work and us providing a safe place for anybody of any type coming to work and working in the way that they feel most comfortable. Yeah. So actually it's more about education for everybody that we're all equal. And you shouldn't treat anybody differently for any reason. And if you don't understand it, find out about it. You know, that's not necessarily a fault if you don't understand, as long as you seek to understand.
0: It's it's interesting, isn't it, as well, psychological safety for women in the workplace, Mm. I think is something that because we have literally struggled with physical safety and do struggle with physical safety in the real world, the question of psychological safety is almost like a sort of a luxury in so many ways because you are more concerned with physical safety whereas men don't have to be so their psychological safety has sort of been built into a lot of things
1: yeah they're they're very married though aren't they yes you know you i think you have to feel physically safe to feel psychologically safe yeah actually and um i've had a situation where 20 years ago i found myself in an unsafe position Did with you, a male member that I worked with, my male person that I worked with. And since then, I've never drunk alcohol at a work function. I actually had my drink spiked. Wow. Um, But didn't realise it at the time. It's only since looking back at that situation, I realised that that one drink... I I don't remember anything else after that one drink. So I've not drunk anything in a work environment since that point in time. And we had a work um, off-site meeting recently with my team and I did have a couple of glasses of wine and they're like, you know, how's it going? How do you feel? And I said, well, now you know I trust everybody and I feel comfortable because I've had a drink in front of you. Yes, this
0: is so true. I don't
1: do that unless I feel trust and safety in the environment I'm in.
0: Yeah, that is so extraordinary that that happened to you. Did you, you must have just, I don't know, did it really shift your perception of how you felt at work thereafter? Or did you not really, did you think you'd just gotten yourself quite drunk in that way? Exactly know?
1: that. I thought it was my fault. Yeah, I thought I had drunk too much. I'd put myself into a dangerous situation. It was entirely my fault. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until... Probably the last two or three years that I've looked back on that situation and thought that was so wrong in every way. Mm. This person was, you know, t- two or three levels up in the leadership chain. My goodness! And he had a responsibility to me as somebody half his age. Oh my! Oh my! God. Extraordinary! So, I can't. I mean, I'm laughing. That. I'm laughing no, at the fact that it's almost unbelievable. It, al- <laughs> it is unbelievable. You know?
0: It's totally unbelievable. Yeah. And I think that really speaks to you know that psychological and physical safety question and and how you make it's not just about making women feel physically safe in any space it's about making everyone feel physically space safe in any space but we have to contend with so much more to have our parameters respected i was talking to somebody about i don't know if you've seen but there's this show that's just aired um called consent on channel four that's about um well about consent literally and i read this article on the weekend about how um the conversations about me too um and everybody welcome has kind of really shifted the dialogue for boys adolescent boys and now they're feeling unsafe and now they're feeling psychologically unsafe and how we're effectively threatening male identity young male adolescent identity by discussing these things so openly now and and uh, There's so much wrong with everything that I just said in so many ways because obviously, you know, there's an experience there of simply the fact that this is what women have been going through for centuries. So you cannot turn off from the dialogue. You cannot shut the conversation down. It's about the evolution of the conversation.
1: And it's always the minority that ruin it for the majority oh a hundred percent yeah absolutely so, uh, I had a conversation recently and I said uh, would my husband do that my husband is kind of for me the barometer of great male behavior okay so I look at my husband and go okay, would my husband do what that person has just done? Yes. No, we absolutely wouldn't. Yeah. So what that person has done is completely out of order.
0: Did you find it challenging? Is it challenging raising good boys? Is it? Is it, do you you have girls and boys? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So is it, do you worry more about the boys than the girls in some respect? Or
1: I definitely worry about them both. Yeah. Um, for the girls, you know, I always wanted um, strong, independent, Young women. Yeah. Okay. And I wanted them to go out into the world and make their mark and be comfortable in their own skin. That's always been something that I've always been really uh, focused on, if you like. Yeah. Um, For our son, he's actually very mild-mannered. He's quite shy. He's very considered. He's never been a boisterous boy or, Mm. you know. So is it three girls
0: and one boy? Yeah. Okay. So he grew up surrounded by brilliant women. So he's been privileged in that
1: respect. I don't know. I think for him... It's a harder journey right now. Yeah, it's so interesting. In some respects mm. than it is for the the young women that yeah. we've brought into the world. But then, you you know, you have, have a parent, as a parent, you have arguments with your children. And uh, my husband can get frustrated because go- the girls are answering back. Yeah. I'm like, OK, stop. We've raised, we've raised them to young do women this. who yeah. have got their own opinions. And yeah. that's OK. We need to let them have their own opinions. No, 100%. Do you think that there is, uh, how
0: how do we move on now from this stage of the conversation? Because we obviously had to get to a place where women felt, young women felt, all women felt that they could express themselves, they could talk about their experiences, they could talk about not being safe, they could talk about not feeling safe. And I think for men, young men, older men, to understand the boundaries that women need and to understand how we have been made to feel unsafe for such a long period of time that now they need to overcompensate to help us to feel safer. What is the next stage, do you think, of the conversation so that boys and young men and and adolescent men and, you know, men generally feel safer themselves in the conversation, but also are respecting those boundaries?
1: That's really interesting talking about them feeling safe in the conversation. I think that's a really big part of it. Yeah. Um, And I have had conversations with, you know, various people, with um, people that I work with, with my husband. um, And men have said to me, I'm really conscious that if I'm walking behind a woman down a street, even in the daylight, I will cross the road. So that they don't feel uncomfortable that's I think that's amazing
0: though that they are thinking that way but how upsetting that we are in a situation that a woman and I we've all done it though, right we've all clocked who's around us mm. and where we are and what's going on and as girls
1: you sort of grow up doing that a little bit. you do but and girls grow up. Being very conscious of it, yeah, um, and it's certainly something that I've spoken to, you know, my young women about, yeah, and it is a big no-no when I I say to them, "You're not to walk around the streets in the dark on your own." Yeah, I will always pick you up. It doesn't matter what the time yeah. is, where you are, I will always pick you up. Um, and my parents didn't. I didn't feel I had to worry about that when I was younger Mm. looking back I know I put myself in some really dangerous situations but moving on with the conversation I think the BBC documentary I think it was BBC the documentary about the lady who went out and acted like she was drunk and was followed home (gasps) oh my goodness I know yes yeah I think there needs to be a bit more of that so people actually see the reality. Mm. I had a conversation with um, a guy from Ireland actually a couple of days ago and we were talking about the experience I'd had 25 years ago. And he was like, I'm completely ignorant to the fact that this stuff happens. He's like, really? Did this stuff really happen for you? And, you know, I'm 17 years older than him or whatever. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, it really did happen. But it's not as bad as it was in my experience yeah. at work so yeah. i said about a work situation having said that would i go out drinking now with lots of women on my own and get really drunk mm. no mm. i wouldn't because i know i'm making myself vulnerable yeah Absolutely. Which shouldn't be the case. Absolutely. And I kind of try to hammer that into my children. You know, always try and maintain control. Yeah. And I think that goes for everybody, actually. Mm. There is an element, you have to take responsibility for, for your, your own safety. Yeah, oh, of course. your safety. Yeah, of course.
0: I was going to ask you about clothing, actually, just because it strikes me that it's such a... And it, it's an interesting thing in the workplace, isn't it? And it, not so much now in terms of you know. I think w- I think women dress the way they want to and use clothes to express themselves, and I love that. And uh, but but that whole idea of is it too revealing? Not necessarily in the workplace, but just for women generally. What where where do you land on that as both a mother and a woman and someone who works in internal comms? Is there whose responsibility is it?
1: I think it's your responsibility as an. Individual, actually, to judge what is appropriate and what isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking about The Apprentice, which was on last night, I noticed... The women tend to wear heels a lot. Yeah. And that really struck with me because I don't think I know anybody at work now that wears heels. Oh, I'm never in a flat shoe.
0: The team will laugh. I'm never in a flat shoe. I literally don't own one.
1: I mean, I could wear (laughs) heels before the pandemic. And my biggest regret is not wearing a pair of heels for an hour a day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because my feet suffer now. Uh, But generally in our workplace, certainly, we're much more relaxed. Yeah. So you don't see kind of the power dressing, which Mm. is promoted on The Apprentice. Yeah. And I have noticed there are women who are in... L- much lower cut tops than I would certainly wear at work. Yeah. And the reason I wouldn't wear something on the event re- yeah, is yeah. Something very re- revealing in that way at work. Yeah. It's about what's appropriate yeah. in the area where you are. Yeah. You know, I, I have gone out in low cut tops and dresses. Of course I have. And that's my, my prerogative. Your, your, it is your prerogative hundred percent. But I wouldn't do that at work.
0: No, no. And I think and I think it is about um making it is about appropriateness for the situation, isn't it? And it, but and it's a really tricky thing because i think that the you know body confidence the body confidence movement um body positivity and what it means for women psychologically to feel comfortable and not to feel objectified is such a huge thing because we have been objects of the male gaze for a very long time and and yet it's so great now that we're at that stage where you know you say you you in your office you know you never wear heels I I wear them literally every day because to me it's it's comfort it is it's it's how I feel like I'm ready for the world is a face of makeup and a pair of heels and I think that you know it's to be in that place where we're able to make those decisions for ourselves that is the point I shouldn't feel like I have to as a woman wear heels because otherwise I'm unattractive to a man or or that I have to wear flats because otherwise I'm being too provocative in some way it's it's about isn't it it's, a, it's about the personal choice mm. and providing the environments where personal choices is, yeah. is, is you know paramount
1: it, everybody should feel confident in what they're wearing absolutely yeah. and I certainly feel much more confident now as a 45 year old woman I wish I know knew back when I was 18 what I know now I don't really care oh, at all my goodness. what people think of me. I, I don't care what they think about what I'm wearing. I, I really couldn't give a stuff. But
0: it's so. <laughs> it, and I was think I was having this conversation with my friend the other day about how many, how I think I wasted a good decade, worried about the wrong things yes. as a woman, you know. And it, and I'm, I don't think it's done yet. But I, I think that. I would so like to say to that person, you don't understand, like, honestly, please stop. It's okay. But what what is it in the kind of female identity in a way that when you're, sh- and you've been shaping young women, you are shaping young women as we speak. How do you help them navigate that? How do you, how, what do we do to help make women feel more confident in themselves from the off?
1: So I have always been a big believer in not complimenting my children in the way they look. Okay. I compliment for the, them for their personalities and for the great things that they do. Yeah. And my husband and I have been pretty consistent in that because n- life isn't about looks. No. Life, life is about who you are, how you are with other people and the behaviours that you demonstrate. And that, I hope, has built their inner confidence so that they have the confidence to then show off who they are through their own self-expression.
0: Because it's interesting, isn't it? Because for women, life has been about how you look. And there is no denying to a certain degree that, you know, you can go further do better get faster you know based on how you look and, and I'd love to say that wasn't the case but it 100% is the case yes. and and you know it's a really interesting thing to have to navigate because we deserve the right to self-express and to take pride in all of those things but equally we want the freedom of not being judged based on those things and it's a really difficult dichotomy I think
1: yeah it is it completely is. It, it's so led by our culture Yes, here. Yes. You know, if you were to go to somewhere in the Outback where the women are all working, you know, on bush farms or whatever, they'd be wearing... Overalls. All ...the rest of it. <laughs> and it, it wouldn't matter. Nobody cares. Yeah. It's
0: They're very fond of an overall in my office too, should be fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But it's <laughs> the influence of social media as well, right? We're yeah. constantly drip-fed with... Oh stories about wh- how we should be looking and you know you can look through news apps and you can see one story that says oh so and so shows off her beautiful cleavage and in the next story it's saying overly oh, revealing showing too yeah. much cleavage yeah absolutely and that's actually just really unhealthy and yeah. the media have a lot to answer for. They really
0: do. I think the media are so responsible for um, shining a light on it being kind of females and how you look all of the time and in one hand giving in and in the other hand taking away and they immediately want to talk about body positivity but then at the same time they'll go, you know, look at so and so cellulite or look at so and so stretch marks and I just, I hate that and I think that navigating that as a team Teenage girl now I think thank god there wasn't social media when I was growing up I think it would have destroyed me because it's just so pervasive and I know that they're managing it they're learning how to grow with it they're learning how to you know navigate through it and that's what we have to do as women right we have to learn how to manage it do you think that obviously kind of the safety for all of us online is something that I think is still something people are getting to grips with but for women there's so much and we've had some people you know in in your chair who have um, who have a real online presence and have experienced a great deal of hate online. And it comes mostly from men, actually, um, who are sort of, you know, they're either body positivity kind of role models or, you know, they're ardent feminists in that way that you mustn't be. Um, or, you know, they're they're just outspoken, I think, is the right way of describing it. And there's there has been a lot of unpleasantness towards them and I just think that's sort of extraordinary that a man would say something to a woman online he would never say to her in the street.
1: Yeah, I'd like to say that that's extraordinary yeah. but um I don't think it necessarily is because actually I think some men would say it to your face as well. Do you think so? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I've certainly come across that in my time. Have you? Yeah. Um it's I'm very mindful about what I post, yeah. I only went on Facebook when my husband and I moved abroad with our children, so that we could share pictures of our family, yeah. of the kids. But then it was kept to a private audience. Um, all my social media profiles are pretty much locked down. I only allow access for people that I know. Yeah. LinkedIn's a little bit different because it's kind of more networking. Yeah, it's it my is. Professional um, networking I'm,
0: maybe platform. I'm maybe I'm missing something, but on LinkedIn as well, I never see that much. I see. Healthy debate, shall we say? But I don't usually see hate.
1: No, I agree. I think it does happen. Yeah, um, but again, it's people hiding behind the screen. Oh, goodness right? completely. Um, yeah, and I think it's the comms person in me, and having had media training very early on in my career about being mindful about what you post and yeah. the reaction yeah. that it <laughs> it can cause. And actually, you shouldn't post anything you're not prepared to get a response on. No, I agree. You can't always gauge the response, but unless you don't want a reaction, it depends what you post. If you're going to post something that you're asking for a reaction, you've got to take the good with the bad. But that's not to say that people are being unkind, should be doing that. They absolutely shouldn't. And I have been in situations where, even where where I'm doing great work Mm. in my job, I still get messages from people. I don't know if they're tone deaf Um, I don't know if they don't look at the wider perspective. They have always been men. Mm. Kind of throwing insults at me for trying to do the right thing for people at work.
0: That's so interesting.
1: But I've got much better at flipping it round Mm. and saying, you don't get to speak to me like this.
0: So, ta- so let's talk about that for a second because I'm so interested to understand that a bit better. So are we talking about when you're maybe implementing a programme or... Initiatives, initi- yep. Yes, okay, yep. where it's sort of inclusivity is at its heart, is that kind of w- the space, yes. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there was a, a situation in the not-too-distant uh, past where myself and my colleague, we've worked together in a couple of companies, okay. um, insulted us for being woke.
0: <gasps> okay. we're, we're the
1: woke team who put on lots of well-being ah. things and what a waste of time. Ah, But they don't say this internally. This is all done kind of on an exter- external forum. And my response is, do you know what, bring it on. So if you think that me being inclusive and loving everybody for who they are as a negative thing that says more about you than it does about me
0: and the fact that they're going to take time to express it on an external platform as well like <laughs> that really says something about that person doesn't it it's uh, like
1: exactly it says everything but, about them
0: because it's because even if someone disagreed with an initiative taking the time to express that you just dis- as opposed to just Letting it roll, letting it do its thing. That seems just kind of baffling to me. It's just
1: such a waste of energy. Such a waste of energy. What is the point?
0: Yeah. Do you think that comes, where do you think it comes
1: from? The confidence as a man of never been um, stopped from doing it. Yeah. Now, I know that um, our CEO is a massive advocate for women. I know that he will always have my back, as will my director who I report to she's also amazing you know she's I will always have your back just let me know what's going on I will always support you yeah yeah um and I think I've taken that confidence now and on the odd occasion where I've had negative feedback from men and I fed back with on one particular occasion I said you don't get to speak to me like this. No. And in the past, I would have been afraid of saying that and upsetting my senior managers. Yeah. I know now, uh, I, perhaps it comes from confidence of age, wisdom, whatever, but I know I've got their support. So I know I can push back on people and say, actually, your behaviour is not okay and mm. challenge it. And actually, this person, I said this to, came back and apologised and said, I'm really sorry. I actually didn't understand how that would have been taken from your point of view um perhaps it's a clash of cultures whatever but I I really apologize and everything okay is now fine but in previous roles I would have just swallowed really upset yeah not spoken to that person actively stayed away from that person um been worried that I wasn't being professional if I said something about it. And that's a big thing that was really hammered into me early on is about being professional.
0: And do you think that that was sort of translated to don't be emotional, be professional? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that's what we're always threatened with, isn't it? Is that kind
1: of, you know, don't be emotional. Let rationale prevail because that's what men do. Yeah, but also things have really changed. And I know now that I would get support if, uh, you know, something not particularly nice happened. Um, mm. And I'd like to touch on a story yeah, now please. of um, a really good instance of this. So when I was in my early career, um, I knew somebody quite well um, who was married to a man who was had a reputation okay. um, of being very touchy-feely. Lovely. On a business trip abroad, it was was a social event, few of us in a bar, and this man in question walked up to my colleague, flipped her around at the bar to face him, and grabbed her face and stuck his tongue down her throat. Oh, my God. So, we're talking 23 years ago, I'd say. Oh, my God. She pushed him off and dealt with it like we all had to back then. Laugh it off, right? Shake it off. Get off, get off, you're drunk. And another man came forward and said, I will back you. And this was really key. I will back you if you want to take this to HR and make a formal complaint. She chose not to do that Mm -hmm. because this individual we all had to work with for the rest of that week and actually during our working life when we got back to the office. So nothing was done. But this other man knew that if he didn't back up this incident. It would be a
0: he said, she said thing. It would go nowhere. Yeah.
1: Right. And there was an example of that. So this particular individual made another woman his target. She reported him. She was a contractor. She was sacked. Mm. And he was put on long term sick leave for a year before he was pensioned off. Unbelievable. And it was just brushed under the carpet. Unbelievable. Because they saw her as a troublemaker. Mm.
0: Unbelievable. And, but also so... It's such an interesting thing as well, though, that your colleague didn't want to pursue it and didn't want to, for the understandable reasons that, you know, you have to work with that person and they're going to be around and all of those things. But it's so unacceptable that we, as women, have to make these bartered decisions (laughs) with ourselves about stuff like that. Absolutely. Because no one's doing that to a man. And we worked with his wife. Yeah.
1: But all the time his wife was not saying anything and he was getting away with this behavior it was sanctioning that behavior yeah. you know even if we didn't realize it it was sanctioning that behavior and so I, at the time i was only um, 18 or 19 and so i'm subconsciously going so is this okay then you're absorbing all of this yeah, yeah this exactly. must be okay because his wife isn't saying anything Yeah, so it must be all right yeah And it wasn't all right. And I still don't know to this day why she didn't say anything.
0: There are so many women who have been put in situations where they haven't felt like for whatever reasons they can stand up for themselves, defend themselves, and have so often needed a man to come and say, I will back you. Mm. I will stand up for you. I will, you know, have your corner in order Mm. for it to be taken seriously or listened to. And... I think that's still probably the case actually. I think it's changing absolutely, but I think that you almost have more legitimacy to something if there's a man who agrees with you or there's a man who you know is on your side about it or you've gotten the nod from the the the, the man that you would need the nod from about something.
1: Yeah, but, but you know that again this is ingrained in our society. You look back to I was watching a program about the plague in, in the 14th century at the weekend. And once many of the men had caught the plague and had died very suddenly, women were left behind but weren't the landowners. But because the men had died, the women automatically became the landowners because there was no other option. So they were working their land, they were running businesses. Mm. And actually women in the 1300s then became very prominent and their rights began to change until the sons grew up. And, and changed it back, and it all went back. Yeah. And again, the women were repressed. And again, you look at the witch witching trials. Mm. You know, in in later years, women are wonderful. They bring life into the world. They have this amazing intuition. Women listen to your intuition. Trust your gut. Oh my goodness! It, it, never doubt it. Nope. The times I've doubted it has been the wrong. Always thing the times. To do. The,
0: yeah. Always the right. times you go wrong, or when you don't listen to your gut. Exactly. Absolutely. And
1: we are so powerful. And men have seen that and they are threatened by it. Terrified
0: by it and have sent centuries and built big institutions to suppress it and to kind of and have created things like old boys networks where they are just able to hand things off to one another and suppress women into, you know, and and they've done it legally, too. Yeah. They've done it with the law. Yeah. And that's really a, an amazing thing that, you know, now, yes, okay, there is equality under the law, arguably, and but we're still a long way off society catching up with those things. Oh, definitely. Hopefully many of us have been lucky to have both men and women support us and promote us and kind of, you know, help to us through crucial moments in our career and help to endorse our kind of you know our natural talents but obviously one of the things that that started the Dangerous Women Collective was the one one of those things those sort of realizations that women and networking are kind of an odd mix Mm -hmm. and I think you know there are lots of things to do with networking that are quite unpleasant often. And I think naturally for women who don't push themselves forward in the same way that men do, um, and have to kind of step out of themselves a little bit to do that. Networking uh, in the classic sense, those environments can be really intimidating, can feel really unpleasant, can feel really foreign, and can feel really um, just like somewhere you don't want to be basically. And ha- what what is your kind of your best advice? What are your best thoughts? on how you know as women we network successfully and 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 what does that look like what has that looked like for you in your career
1: I think for me networking is not about selling mm. sell to me you turn me off yep. immediately yeah in any situation you know if somebody wants to connect with me on LinkedIn yeah I'll connect with them and then the, f- the next thing is a sales pitch I'll delete them straight away. Oh, 100%, yeah. And it's the same in a face-to-face networking situation because uh, I learnt this from a good friend of mine called Jules White, who's a sales coach. And it's not about selling, it's about relationships. 100%. So build a relationship with me. I want to get to know who you are. You know, I want to know what makes you tick, what makes you interesting because everybody else is really interesting. Yeah. So for me, it's about going to networking events but be yourself don't feel intimidated by other people and know that actually when you walk into the room on your own 15 other people have done the same thing yeah and even if it feels uncomfortable to say like I did when I came to the last uh, dangerous women collective we were stood by the door actually and women were walking in, and you know, maybe looking a bit, a little bit she, nervous. She, absolutely, yeah. Our group took it upon ourselves to say, "Oh, hi! You're on your own. Come over. Come and chat. Join us." Yeah, and that's all it takes. Yeah. Is bring people into the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I
0: think women are uniquely positioned when it comes to relationship building, actually, because they are so good at seeing. And so good at intuiting and so good at taking the kind of cues that maybe aren't as obvious. And, you know, I think because that's how we've navigated is by reading all of those un- unwritten things, mm. there is this sort of unique power within women to join together and to see things in each other and to come together as a collective Yeah, that hasn't been maybe celebrated or maybe hasn't been uh, championed in the way that men kind of coming together and networking has been.
1: Yeah, and I think women have held back when they're around men in the room because the energies are very, very different, Yeah, uh, you know, very different and often clash. And often as well, there's that um, managing the expectation of men that you're talking to who might think you're flirting with them. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And you're not. You're not flirting with them, but they might take it as the fact that you are flirting with yeah. them. And there is always that thing in the back of your head of, oh, do I really want to exchange numbers with this person? Will they going to take it the right way? Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. When you're networking with women there's none of that there's none of that yeah it's very different um Mm. you know you're you're it's a safe space inherently isn't it because of because that that frisson is removed yeah you're there to learn from everyone's experiences Mm. um and I think that that's what I loved about the last event was I spoke to so many people that I wouldn't ordinarily meet absolutely yeah
0: Completely. And that, that that is part of the kind of, the, you know, we just, we realise that we know so many fantastic, interesting, talented women from so many different places. Mm-hmm. And the, the potential of connecting those women of what might happen, whatever it could be, was just sort of too
1: tempting not to do it, really. Yeah. And, you know, I really do see it as, I think all women should see it as their responsibility. But I see yes. my responsibility, having met these amazing women to look where I can help promote them elsewhere. We organize speakers at work all the time. So for International Women's Day, I'm going, right, what amazing women have I met? Yes. Who can I bring into the conversation? Um, And what can I do to help them on their journey as much as they're helping us? And to see that they have a lot of value to add. Because often women don't realize the value that they had
0: yeah oh completely and it's interesting isn't it because we, we were talking and the next event is going to be kind of a bit focused on intergenerational kind of um, not so much networking but intergenerational support because it's something that has Uh, really struck me that some women have these great stories of having these unbelievable mentors in other women and have been really guided and have been really helped but then a lot of women have got stories about how maybe you know the kind of the generation of women older than them or the generation of women younger than them um have have rubbed against them in a way because it's felt slightly competitive or it's felt um that there, there was a need to you know turn on the nearest woman because woe betide you look at the 12 men that sitting in that boardroom you've got to pick on the one woman Mm. in there because she's your competition and I think that the power of intergenerational kind of females really supporting each other is so impressive and so there's such kind of potential for that that you know wisdom to be passed on in ways that men have been doing forever
1: oh yeah and hearing those experiences I kind of think back to when I've been in situations where you've had very, very strong women, but it's not been a positive experience. Yeah, yeah, which there are those experiences, yeah. Yeah. And you kind of go, oh, I I don't want to be that woman that walks into a room and everyone, you know, everyone goes, oh God, they've walked into the room. Yeah. But then you look at it through a different context, through different eyes and go, I wonder why they had to do that. What experiences did they Mm -hmm. they have? So I think there's so much value in that. It is a privilege to know all these great women.
0: It is a privilege to sit here and talk to a great woman. It is. um, And our potential and our power and all the things we can achieve, particularly when we help and support each other, is just so unfathomable in a way it's so huge and you know yes poor men for being a bit afraid of it but it's okay to be a bit of afraid of it because you should be it's pretty impressive yeah Kaz thank you so much for your time and for contributing and for being a member of the collective um tell everyone who's
1: listening where they can find you follow you read your book Ah, thank you i love a plug yeah uh so my book is called sifting sand yeah and you can find that on amazon uh you can find me on linkedin um and if you're really clever, you might be able to find me on TikTok, but I'm hidden very, very well. Oh, so.
0: dancing Kaz, I can <laughs> see it now. Not
1: quite. <laughs> I tend to be a bit of a lurker. Um, oh, but yeah, not. you'll find me under At Kaz least you know Meech. how to use
0: it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. <laughs> that's why I say it, I don't.
1: So my pen name is actually Caroline Meach, the, the name that my parents gave me. But professionally, I'm Kaz Meach. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you
0: thank you for listening to today's episode of the dangerous women podcast to learn more find us on instagram linkedin or at dangerouswomencollective.com